There is a dire need for increased financial inclusion in Nigeria. 41.6% of Nigerians do not have access to financial services. Financial Inclusion Today is a weekly business show brought to you by Business Day, powered by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, to engage in meaningful dialogue with stakeholders, decision makers, and policymakers for a more financially inclusive Nigeria. Catch Financial Inclusion Today every Tuesday at 11.30 on Rhythm 93.7 FM. Today we are joined by a special guest, Dolapo Ashiru, who is a financial analyst. Today we'll be discussing the World Bank's Global Findex report that was released April 19th, 2018, which revealed a slump in the level of financial inclusion in Africa's largest economy, that being Nigeria. Thank you for being with us, and I look forward to speaking with you today. Uh, welcome to the show, Financial Inclusion Today, brought to you by Business Day and sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, so, Dolapo, do you have any thoughts on the decline um, in terms of financial inclusion in Nigeria since the year 2014? Yes, I do. Um, my thoughts are basically, I think during that period of 2014 to 2017, due to the fact that CBN mandated everyone to have BVN, a BVN number for their bank accounts, a lot of people were temporarily disenfranchised because the number of unique bank accounts significantly reduced. Therefore, we saw a fact that a lot of people seem to be financially unincluded. So why do you think, you know, what are the reasons for that decline, do you think? Like what are the factors that contribute to this decline since from 2014 to now? Yeah, but basically, apart from the BVN issue, also issues surrounding access to financial services and products have been a major problem for Nigerians. So, and I think to mitigate against that, we should try and embrace uh, banking as is more or less evolved into e-platforms. So, digital and mobile money is what is going to help to bring the unbanked, not just the unbanked, but people that don't have access to insurance services and other forms of services to bring them to make them banked, and also the ease of credit to convenience and um, convenience is also, also key. Um, things that have to be addressed to bring the unbanked or to make more and more people financially included in the country. Indurance, since you wrote this great article, I want to call you over to, to speak a little bit about the statistics in terms of you know the male-to-female ratios and the percentages that affect um, Nigerians in terms of financial inclusion. So, over to you. Okay, okay. Uh, thank you. So, basically, uh, despite uh, the globalizing financial inclusion, Nigeria was seen uh, left behind uh, among those that uh, had progress in financial inclusion. So the reports by the World Bank, uh, the Global Finders database, reviewed that Nigerian adults who are 25 years and above with bank accounts declined by 5% from 49% in 2014 to 44% in 2017. This was also not different with account holders of uh, 15 years as the number fell uh, 4% from 44% in 2014 to uh, 40% in 2017. And it revealed that there was a big gap um, between uh, the female and male who had uh, bank accounts between 2014 and uh, 2017, there was a 24% gap in this uh, current report in 2017. Thank you. All right, thank you. Patrick, over to you. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this, on the World Bank report? And what, is it, what does it mean for Nigeria, um, Nigerian financial inclusion at large? Okay, the, the report is really damning. Um, it seems to suggest that... Um, 
we're uh, sliding back, um, especially when you compare to the peers, some, some of our peers like uh, Kenya, uh, Ghana, even South Africa. So I think the regulators really have a lot to do, and of course the influencers. So you have your your CBN, um, your NCC, of course your SEC, and other capital market regulators. And then you have your influencers like the banks, um, fintech companies, um, people that other companies that design uh, products for ease of use for consumers. You know to gain access to financial services so i think there should be a deeper um kind of there should be kind of a sense of urgency right around this issue because like we've said before if you left out of the financial services uh sector of your country then you you basically left behind you, you know you can't really do anything and i think the regulators the government the influencers should really come together and design a framework that works for Nigeria. I don't think the status quo um, is acceptable. Oh, thank you very much for that. Um, and how about other African countries that have been on the incline as opposed to the decline? Um, Bala, I don't know if you want to add anything to that in terms of other examples of African countries that have been a positive example um, as opposed to what we're seeing in Nigeria. Yeah, other African countries um, have made um, tremendous um, progress in terms of financial inclusion. I mean, we can borrow a leaf from India, Bangladesh, you know, the, the, these countries were able to, you know, um, bring banking services to the rural women. Because if you look at the report, it's um, the gap between the male and the female is so wild that there's a need for us to bridge it. This is because a lot of women are in the informal sector. You have them that sell, they're in the villages. So, I mean, there's a need for the regulators, you know, to try as much as possible to roll out product that will ensure that um, banking services get to the rural women like it is done in um, Bangladesh and um, India and whatever. And I think, I think in situations like this, women are often left behind, especially women in rural areas. Endurance, I don't know if you want to come back and just speak about, you know, the effects specifically on rural women um, when, they, when there's a decline in financial inclusion. So yeah, basically, uh, before I come to the question that you asked, uh, the World Bank pointed out the fact that uh, these other countries, like uh, Kenya and uh, Senegal, the coast that that had uh, that made progress in their financial inclusion, was basically uh, driven by mobile money and uh, fintech and all of that. So this is uh, an idea Nigerians should welcome and make it very formal. Let there be a collaboration between the telecom companies and. Uh, the financial services providers. So basically for the women that are in the rural areas and all, there's need for sensitization, there's need for education, there's need to encourage them and give credit, let financial services give credit to these women, let them be encouraged, let them see the needs to want to come for, uh, formally into the financial circle. Yeah. Patrick, over to you. Yeah, so I will also add that there is need for a lot of um, data gathering and you know because nigeria is so big right so you have different regions um what might work in lagos and the southwest might not really work in the northwest or in uh the northeast or even in a place like enugu so i think there's also need to have a little bit more data like more research on what actually works what do people want you know from their banks um I think one big area is also transaction costs, right? So if transaction costs are high, people that are, you know, saving 10,000 Naira under the mattress or 2,000 Naira under the mattress, 
and if you tell them bring it to the bank and you are charging them um, service uh, charges or access fees of you know 100 naira or whatever you know they may feel like you know there's no point because they already have so little why do you want to take it from them so they may feel that there's no point in taking their money to the bank so i think access uh, charges fees for the you know bottom of the pyramid is also i think is also an issue that um, may discourage people from you know saving or uh, putting their money in, in formal financial services uh space there's also the issue of value added services so if i bring my money what you know what other um, services can i access you know so do the fintech providers the banks do they have a broad range of services that they can you they can you know give to these people that will make them want to stay in a formal uh, financial a service uh, provider right so maybe something like insurance uh, 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 small loans small SME loans and the like you know so I think that will also make a difference thank you Thank you. Dolapo, um, as our guest, and you know, you've been a financial analyst for a while, um, in your experience and in your career, what do you think are the biggest barriers um, to financial inclusion? What have you seen, like specific examples for our audience to kind of conceptualize what financial exclusion actually looks like? Um, so one of the biggest barriers is access to the services. I mean, for example, in the rural areas, there are no banks, like Bala said. So the whole idea is to bring the banks to them, basically give them apps and create products that are specific to them. For example, the, the for, for for women, products around, because most times the analysis show that women spend a larger percentage on their, of their income on their family, unlike men. So, for example, a man now, maybe 20% of his salary is needed to buy things for himself, to drink, take the boys out. But women, about 90% of their salary, of their income, is dedicated to the family. So, you could, and, and so you could create products for women that also include maybe micro-insurance, do you understand? Or maybe advance for loans to, for school fees, for things that have to do with the household. So, and there's a people that also are not are banked or don't don't believe in certain products because it, it because of religious reasons. So, for example, insurance now some insurance companies are creating what is called takaful insurance. They're very popular up north. There's also a lot of people also prefer to do non-interest banking, unlike normal banks, because of their religious um, inclinations also. So those products should be specific. So a takaful insurance or something like non-interest bank will, will sell more in a particular region than other. Or in or than other regions, but the truth is that even for example in South Africa, most of the people that use non-interest bank, they don't call it um they don't call it Islamic banking there, are not non-Muslims. So all those kind of products you get data, you analyze, and you give specific product to specific people. That's the way forward. So the whole idea, financial service has now gone mobile, it's gone digital. So you have to put it in the hands, give them access, make it easy, make it convenient, and give them products that are specifically channeled to them and you see that the gap will reduce fast. So, Dolako, I wanted to ask you, uh, in your opinion, who do you think should be in the driving seat of this change that I want to see? Now, let's use M-Pesa in Kenya. 
why M-Pesa was such a big success, which is mobile banking? Because M is for mobile, Pesa is money in Kenya. So why mobile banking was such a success in Kenya is because the telcos drove it. In Nigeria, the banks, because of CBN, are driving it. That's why it's not making the kind of waves it made, it's making in places like Kenya and Rwanda. So the banks, I mean, basically, uh, SEC is Nigeria Communications Commission and CBN need to sit down in your room and create a framework. After that, the telcos and the banks need to sit down in a room and come and as a, as a sub a sub framework for that, and also so we can make mobile money or not just banks, even up in financial products, make them a uh, mobile, make them digital. The future of this market is digital and is mobile. So for the like I said, for mobile banking and financial inclusion is technology, and that technology has to be driven with the, by the regulators. So CNBC, uh, CBN, and NCC need to sit down and have a talk, and then the bankers and telcos need to have a talk to drive this thing. Thank you for that. Olade, do you have anything that you want to talk about in terms of the, the decline that yeah, we've seen? I think um, my colleagues have already done the heavy lifting. Let me Just to carry on from what um, Dolapo said, I think we need um, innovative ways of trying to address the um, financial ex- exclusion that we have in Nigeria. Um, still carrying on from Kenya, because Kenya looks to be the poster child these days for success in mobile money and all that. They also have something that's called Emakiba. So it's like a government bond that allows um, Kenyans use their mobile de- devices, lend um, money to the government. And it's really, I mean, that's pretty much innovative. So it, what it simply does is that every Kenyan that has a mobile phone is able to invest in Emakiba, which is a bond. Um, for Nigeria, yes, we do have a retail bond, um, a savings bond that was, I think was launched last year. But it'll be really interesting to see that go online. You know, let's leverage more on uh, mobile platforms, given that if we really want to see um, the... If we really want to get more, um, attract more Nigerians into the financial net, we really need to get innovative and, you know, leverage uh, mobile money. Yeah, just to jump in here, um, let me give an example of financial inclusion. Um, Sometime last year, when interest rates were very high for, for treasury bills, um, a lot of people, retail income earners, could not benefit from the high interest yield environment. So, the example is: so to 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 place money in a treasury bill, you have to have at least fifty million naira. Okay, but if you if but if you are doing well, if you are low income earner, you are ma- making like fifty thousand naira a month. You can't buy treasury bills. So the government came up with what's called the federal government saving bond, which is what they also have in Kenya called national savings bond. And that Emakiba product, like um, Lola they said, is basically giving low income earners access to you to buy government securities and take advantage of the high yield interest environment, which they couldn't have done if they, they, they bought treasury bills because they don't have enough money. They don't have a minimum of 50 million naira. So in Kenya, the Emakiba is basically um, a platform where you can buy the federal national savings bonds of Kenya. The minimum requirement there was about Nigerian, yeah, 50, which is about 5,000 naira. You know, that's the min- that's the minimum. There's also a maximum, so everybody could buy. So even for Nigerian savings bond, the minimum here is 5,000 naira. And you get a high yield instead of, I mean, savings b- accounts in banks give you maybe three or four percent. But if you if if you buy a federal government savings bond, especially if they have an online trading pl- an online platform like Emakiba in Nigeria, you could get probably 10, 11 percent, which is the which is the premium compared to what you're being paid if you if you put your money in savings account. So that's a good example of how to also what Kenya is doing, how to help the 
unbanked or the low-income earners to also be able to enjoy what they would what the other high-end customers or or high-end um, sophisticated customers are earning also thank you for that i mean i think i have a question um why do you think that segment of the population is so easily ignored um when it comes to financial inclusion i'm just going to leave that open to whoever wants to answer no it's because it's a mass market and the mass market is scattered or like for example if I was a banker now, and for example, a Dankwede wants a loan for maybe 20 billion naira. I mean, that's easy. I know it's track with everything. You understand? But the truth is that the margins, if Dankwede wants to collect a loan for 20 billion naira, every bank in Nigeria lined up to give him a loan because of his track record. You understand? And so Dankwede is not a risky bet. You understand? But if it's Mr. Mr. Dolapo that nobody knows, I don't have a credit history. You know, the banks will want me to bring my grandfather's birth certificate and, and my grandmother's um, permanent voter's card before they can give me a loan. <laughs> you understand? So and because they do that, I can easily default. So the best way to, to do that is what we're doing now. Have a credit bureau because the people that will take loans from five different banks and they won't, you understand, and you, can, and you can't find them after, and have something like a BVM where you can easily trace people and also give them a, a platform where they can easily access credit. So the best way to tackle a mass market is through technology, you understand, and also data. And technology and data work hand in hand. So have a data bank of people, profile people, have it so there's a credit bureau, you're going to check people's credit, credit worthiness and rate them that this person highly risky, this person not too risky, and know who to give money and have to track people through BVNs and everything. Thank you for that. I think we've seen examples, you know, in the States and Canada, they kind of use that credit um, history and um, I guess verification of people. Well, I just wonder if that would be effective um, here in Nigeria in terms of like giving people credit and then be, having having them be able to check um, people's history. But that's definitely something to think about. Um, I think I'm gonna throw the mic over to Mr. Bala. I don't know if you have anything that you'd like to add to this conversation. You've been a bit quiet over there. Uh, I agree with um, probably, you know, because the need of um, the woman in the Northeast is quite different from um, the need of people in the Northwest. Like in the rural areas in the North, for instance, if you're going to use a mobile app, you know, for the old generation, it has to be in their local language, something they can easily understand. Uh, you wrote this amazing article, so I don't know if you have any, you know, recommendations for decision makers, stakeholders on how we can really tackle um, to have an incline as opposed to a decline in financial inclusion in Nigeria. All right, thank you. Uh, basically, I think uh, our guest here, or the other analysts in the house, have spoken particularly on everything that uh, should be done to ensure that there are more uh, Nigerians included into the financial circle so what i basically want to just say is that uh, uh, like it is done in other part of uh, african countries nigerians should uh, look at how uh, the telecom company and uh, the bank can come together and work to bring in mobile money and uh, reduce financial service costs and uh, try to get across sensitization and education let people have access to credits and let them know the benefits of having to uh, have access to financial services i think uh, with all of this put in place uh, we are set uh, targets of 80% financial inclusion by 2020. We should be able to do well. I think I just want to explore uh, what we discussed a little bit more in terms of if you know the example of um, Kenya and how they use telecoms as opposed to banks to kind of push financial inclusion. Why do you think that's not being done here? I mean, I mean, I think everybody everybody has a phone number. Not everybody has a bank account, right? So why do you think um, telecoms are not you know uniting with you know either the CBN or the people? that are responsible for driving this in Nigeria and kind of utilizing 
their platforms to kind of get the the word out there because it's very easy to send a mass text message that reaches millions and millions of people so like i said everybody has a phone but not everybody has a bank account so why do you think that that hasn't happened and how what do we do to make to incorporate to incorporate that into um the financial inclusion plan for nigeria yeah, it's, it's not really happening at the, it's happening but it's happening at a slower pace than other countries like kenya and rwanda and that's because like i said in those countries in kenya for example it was a particular company called safaricom that drove it and other telcos just jumped into the fray. In Nigeria, CBN has said no, that they want the banks to drive it and not the telcos. But you can, but as of now, a lot of initiatives have happened. For example, there's a particular bank in Nigeria, I won't want to mention the name because there's not, I won't, I won't advertise, but they have what is called our first digital bank, where you can open an account without any paperwork online with a mobile phone and, and anywhere. The bank is already doing that. And many banks are also having this, the USSD codes already. They're star, star 111 hash. You know, many, so those are USSD codes that people are already doing that. Like, for example, this year, I've not walked into any bank in all this year. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have any reason to. I do everything with my phone. And that gradually becoming the story everywhere. Even with text messages, I can transfer money to people's accounts. You know, so I can buy before. I can't buy last time I bought um, a scratch card, all this recharge card for phones. I do everything online now. So it's gradually getting there. But the pace is not as much as I want to, but gradually we're getting there, which is the most important thing. I think, like I said, I think NCC and CBN need to sit in a room, do a framework, we do this thing, and then the banks and the techos in a room and drive this thing. Because the future of financial services in Nigeria is mobile and is digital. So, um, Business Day did a, a conference last year. We did a conference last year, a financial inclusion uh, conference, where we invited the central bank governor, Kodwine Meshili. And the same issue you raised, Lily, was raised at that conference. And then he said that uh, work was ongoing to see how the telcos can better collaborate with the banks. And he actually admitted that maybe the bank-led mobile money is not really working, as one would expect, and that it's important to go shift to a telco-led um, strategy, given the success, uh, the success that it has um, attained in other countries. But till now, nothing, nothing has really happened. Mm. You know, so it's it. I mean, it speaks to maybe maybe the maybe the officials don't see the urgency in you know increasing the um, widening our financial inclusion bracket. Maybe, but I, I really don't know why nothing has happened to date. I I mean, this might get me in trouble, but I think a lot of times when people aren't able to relate to people's suffering or people's people being uncomfortable, they don't really care. <laughs> I know and that sounds really bad, but I, I kind of feel like that's what it is. A lot of times when you can't see yourself and put yourself in someone else's shoes, you don't really see it as an urgent thing. And I think that's a problem with a lot of our um, countries on our beautiful continent of Africa. A lot of times people just kind of stay in their comfort zone, you know, behind their mansions and their fancy cars and they don't really think about you know, the woman who, you know, isn't able to take her kids to school or, you know, the person who's selling credit on on the street trying to make ends meet. So I think it's just about having a little bit of compassion, to be quite honest, and kind of just putting yourself in other people's shoes and trying to like trying to create a country and create laws that kind of benefit everybody and not just the people who have access to in the Internet or people who can who can access data on their phones. Um, so I think compassion goes a long way. Um, so, yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to dampen your your speech but uh, a little beyond compassion i think markets work so when you create the avenue for markets and innovation to take hold it takes hold and it solves a lot of problem and i think um like 
everybody has said here the central bank and the NCC should come together and help uh, make this innovation uh, happen and you know we'll see a lot of results me personally when I see all these kind of variances in the society I see opport- I don't see I see opportunity for example about 45 percent of Nigerians are unbanked right yes you can imagine a bank seizing on that so basically as an entrepreneur I feel like I'm meant to solve problems and my, and my reward for solving problems is profit or, or income. So if we have 45% of this country unbanked, that means we have millions and millions of people that are not, if I'm a banker, that are not my clients. If I, I just get 5, 5% of them to bank with me within one year, it will do a lot to my top line and my bottom line. Do you understand? So seize the moment. Do you understand? One of the biggest microfin and one of the biggest banks in Bangladesh is a microfinance bank and it's a bank they call it the poor people's bank and that bank yeah so and that bank has someone lost a smart idea by somebody and he banked the unbanked and he made a lot of money and changed a lot of lives do you understand so yes so for example i can tell people that sometimes when i travel out of the country and i and i'm entering europe i always see skyscrapers 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 when i'm traveling back to nigeria i don't see bungalows 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 i just say look this is opportunity for example Dangote, for example, is betting that since Africa, since Dangote cement is betting that because there's a massive infrastructure gap in Africa, one day, one day, that gap will be narrowed. I want, them to, I want, to, I want us to narrow it with the cement. So when Dangote sees bungalow, bungalow, bungalows, no bridges, no bridges, no bridges, look at local, this is, a, this, is, this is a cement business for me. You understand? So people should look at it that being the unbanked, right? There's a lot of money to make by banking the unbanked. By providing a solution to these people's problems that Elili has been so compassionate about, she should turn her passion into a portfolio. You understand? I make money from it. True. You understand? True. So you feel bad for them, but no, go out there and change things, and yeah. you and, and it, uh, heaven and earth will reward you for it. There is a dire need for increased financial inclusion in Nigeria. Forty-one point six percent of Nigerians do not have access to financial services. Financial inclusion today is a weekly business show brought to you by Business Day, powered by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, to engage in meaningful dialogue with stakeholders, decision makers, and policymakers for a more financially inclusive Nigeria. Catch financial inclusion today every Tuesday at eleven thirty on Rhythm ninety-three point seven FM. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Financial Inclusion Today, brought to you by Business Day and the Bill and Manila Gates Foundation. Dolapo, Ashiru, thank you so much for joining us to discuss the various issues on, about the decline in financial inclusion in Nigeria. Till next time, I'm Lele Balde, signing out. Mm-hmm.